0: Amen. Let's pray. Father, tonight we ask that your spirit would just come and envelop us, God, and that your word would penetrate our hearts and our minds, Lord. That we would be sons who walk with power and authority. That we would be your children, Lord, God, who walk with favor and confidence and boldness. And Lord, we would be men, men who take a stand for truth, for righteousness, for purity, for justice, and who for the name of our God, Lord, teach us to be men. Teach us to be men beyond our age. God, beyond the generation in which we've grown up, beyond our background, Lord, and beyond our demographic, teach us to be men of God who live, who know you, God, and who walk in the Spirit. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Today I want to talk to you about running. All right. The title of this message is Run Like a Gazelle. Look to your neighbor and say, Run Like a Gazelle. Uh, so y'all know about this, right? So when you think about a gazelle, you think about, oh, this little dainty deer-like thing that people want to eat, and it's hecka good, and, um, or I've never seen a gazelle, so I don't know what the heck you're even talking about, Pastor Joseph. I didn't even know that thing actually existed. But I want to talk about running, and like a gazelle, we'll share about that in a little, a little bit. But when you think about running, how many of you like to run? I got like three, five, okay. How many of you have ever run for a long distance? Let's say five plus miles, a couple of you. How many of you run like two laps and you're like, I'm cool, man, five plus miles? Never, that ain't me, I ain't never stepping in that, right? You know, a lot of times when you begin to start a run, especially if you're, you know, you have this vision where it's like, man, I'm going to run two miles, and it's going to be so legit. I'm going to go, and then I'm going to look in the mirror, I'm going to flex my quads, and you're going to see all four of the muscles right there. Is, everybody ever thought about that, or just me? Just, okay. I know some of y'all be thinking, come on, man, some of y'all be in the shower trying to flex, like, where's that? Come on, dude, you're lying, dude, lying, Right? But as you're going and you're beginning the path towards that five miles or that two miles or that four laps, what ends up happening a lot of times is you begin to get tired, right? You're going foot by foot, step by step, breath by breath. Your lungs start hurting a little bit, right? Your heart starts pounding a little bit more. And your mind goes from, man, I can do this to, oh, crap. Dang, this is a little harder than I thought. Oh, I got like, I got like two more miles. Oh, man, that's eight more laps. You know how many steps that is? And then you start justifying, okay, you know what? Maybe I don't have to do the full two more miles. You know, I'm actually out here. That, that counts for something, right? You know, I'm actually breathing, right? So that, that, that I should be awarded for something. I'm out here. I'm making an effort, right? I mean, it's better than sitting back and watching TV or watching football, right? I'm actually making an effort. Then pretty soon you're like, okay, that's two miles. You know what? I can just do one more mile. That's good. And then you're going through, you're about one-fourth through that last mile, and you're like, okay, you know what, my feet are starting to hurt. You know, I really don't even have running shoes on. Why am I running in Converse? Yeah, you know, it's not even going to be good for me to run in Converse, so I should probably stop running in my Converse right now. You know, I'm getting a cramp, and it's really not good for me to get a cramp because if I keep running with this cramp, this can turn into like an ulcer maybe or something like that, right? You start making stuff. Anybody ever did that, right? Maybe not exactly like that, but as you're going, then you're like, okay, well, maybe I don't have to run the next whole mile. I'll just run one more lap, and I'll be fine. And what tends to happen a lot of times when we begin on a path for running, we start off with this great vision. We start off with this great expectation, um, even with this great momentum. But I really believe a lot of times in the end, we never fully run as hard as we can in those type. But in Proverbs chapter six, verse five, Solomon speaking to his son and he says, run like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter. Escape like a bird from the hand of the feller. Run like a gazelle from the hand of the hunter. And if you read in the context in which he's speaking, a couple of verses before he shares, if you make a vow or you make an oath that you really can't keep, go plead for mercy, humble yourself, and then run from it. Plead for mercy, humble yourself, and then run from the words that you just spoke. Don't ever do that junk again. Step up and be responsible for the things that you said, you did, but then don't ever do it again. And it says run like a gazelle. So I started thinking about a gazelle, and I've never seen a gazelle in person. I've never even really looked at gazelles, you know, into, before thinking about this passage. But it says run like a gazelle from the hand of a hunter. And so, you know, the only time I've thought about gazelles or seen them has been on National Geographic. And, you know, for a while it shows, you know, the National Geographic where it shows them they're out eating and it's nice and it's good. And they're out there grubbing. All, and then all of a sudden the music changes. do Right. Dun-dun-dun. And then all of a sudden you see in the background this little cheetah coming up. It's like you see the specs, right? You see his big, like, shoulder bones coming up, boom, boom, boom. And you're thinking, oh, gazelle, oh, dude, this is all bad. This is so jacked up. God, why did you create a gazelle to get jacked up by a cheetah like this? I mean, have ever you ever watched that kind of stuff? And you're like, this is just so unfair. This is just not it's – it's like, it's like me growing up, my brothers are all bigger and badder than me, right? And I'm like, God, for real? That's just not cool. It's unfair. Like, it's unfair. It's not right. This gazelle, you see this gazelle eating, you know, he's prancing along, having fun, nice and dainty, swift, right, and just free-flying, all this kind of junk. And all of a sudden, you see that cheetah walking in. And then the music just stops. And then you see the cheetah coming up, stop, and boom, you see the cheetah pounce. And at that moment, I'm thinking, if I'm a gazelle, there's one thing I'm thinking. Run! Run as fast as you can. Get the heck out of here. Now, I don't know. I think some of us in those situations would tend to be like in a real-life situation if you were the gazelle. Well, I wonder if uh, this person next to me is going to run. You know, I wonder if this person next to me is going to run. I wonder if Jim over there, you know, he sees this cheetah coming, but hey, if there's two of us, the cheetah might choose Jim. So I'll just sit here and just chill for a little bit more, eat as much grass as I can, can eat. And some of you might be like, nah, man, I'll never do that. I'll never do that. You know how you do it? When Satan starts to come to attack, when Satan starts to come in different ways, whether it's within our body, maybe through gossip, maybe through a little bit of lust, Maybe through pride, through anger or frustration, he starts attacking. You know, you're, you're in a room and you're talking with your brothers and they're starting to share, man, I'm just really, really frustrated this week. And you like, you know what? Me too, dude. I'm really, really frustrated. You know what you're supposed to do at that moment? Run. You run into the hands of God. You delight. You begin to delight yourself in the Lord. Because at that moment, what is the cheetah trying to do? Attack. And you recognize it. You're not sitting there like, well, hold on, me and Mickey are frustrated and angry right now. Let's go ask Charles if he's frustrated and angry too. Let's go see if this person and that person and this, they're going through the same types of things. We tend to many times, we see danger, but we begin to justify it. And I really believe it's because we don't recognize the type of danger that we're really in. Now, a gazelle, there's just an instinct inside of that gazelle. You know, I was watching one of those shows. And it had a, like an older gazelle, an older mature gazelle, and it had like a little baby gazelle. And you know what happened? When the cheetah popped on the scene, nobody had to teach that little baby gazelle how to run. The instinct inside that baby gazelle said, "There's a cheetah, it's coming after me, and I'm gone." No one that there is no, there's no story of the mother gazelle saying, hey, look at little baby, you're going to see a cheetah coming on the, on the prairie and you're going to have to start running from him and he's going to look nice and he's going to be spotted and it's going to be fun to, to look at him, but don't get hypnotized because he's going to kill you and eat you. You just see instinct inside of that baby gazelle that the minute the predator comes on the scene, he chooses to, he's gone. His instinct stays a so bounce. And I don't know if some of you realize that spiritually we have that same type of instinct. Scripture said that we've been born of the Spirit, that we've been made new, new creations in Christ Jesus, that the Spirit of the living God dwells inside of us. Now, if the Spirit of God dwells inside of us, you better believe that he gives us an instinct, a spiritual instinct to recognize when there's a predator that steps on the scene. Because Peter tells us that Satan is a predator. He seeks around, he goes around like a roaring lion seeking who he may devour. And you would be A fool to think that God hasn't put a spiritual warning system inside of your heart to be able to recognize when the predator is coming around you. But what tends to happen is we don't recognize how dangerous the hands of the hunter are sometimes. We don't recognize how dangerous the steps of the predator are sometimes. And so when things start to come up alongside of us, when things start creeping in, we tend to think like this. Well, you know what? If I just lost the arm, I could still live. And some of you are like, man, I don't think like that. Well, you're thinking like that when you're thinking, well, if I just watch this one time, I'll be okay because I'm not in bondage to it. At that moment, the hand of the hunter has grabbed you. Now, Solomon's telling or the king's telling his son here, run, run from the hands of the predator. Run from the hands of the predator. Don't think, hey, I'll give them my arm, but my heart's still beating, so I'll be okay. Don't think, well, he can have my foot, but I can use my two hands, so I'll still be all right. Some of you are like, man, he could take one of my eyes because I still got one eye, and I can see good out of my left eye. That's my good eye anyways. You got to choose to say, you know what? Everything that God has given me belongs to me. This life is so valuable and precious to God. Not one part of it, not one part of it can be given over to the enemy because the minute you give one piece of, uh, of ground, the minute you give one step, the minute you give one area, guess what the hunter is going to try to do? Take all of it. He's going to take all of it. He's going to take all of it. And there has to be something inside of us that the instinct of the gazelle, that spiritual gazelle that says, you know, I'm going to run. I'm going to run. I'm going to run. I'm going to run. I'm going to do whatever I have to do to not allow myself to be entrapped to not allow myself to be taken in and become a prey. Because think about it. When the predator gets you and kills you, your life is done. It's lights out. You know why I think some of those gazelles escape? Not always because they're faster than the cheetahs. Do you know cheetahs can go from zero to 45, 47 miles per hour in four gallops? One, two, three, four, boom. And I don't think it's always because the gazelle is faster than a cheetah why he escapes. I think because that gazelle knows if he doesn't, his life is gone. It's over. It's over. Too many times in our life we're willing to compromise, we're willing to give in, or not willing to change. Because we don't realize that if we allow the enemy to have that one area, that one foothold, it could potentially take our life out it could potentially take our life out. You know, I think about this, you know, being married, and I was thinking about, you know, Solomon, and he's, he's hearing his father teach him this. He's hearing his father teach him this. And so he's writing it down, and he, he's beginning to hide these words in his heart. And I'm thinking, you know what? Man, that's cool that he had a father to be able to, be able to share these words to, for him. And I begin to think about, dang, how stupid I was. It's really stupid. for when my dad would want to speak with me, you know, my dad was like, "Hey, I want you to come on Saturday. We're gonna work on the car." And I'm like, work on the car, dude, that sucks, man. I want to go hang out with my friends. I want to go kick it." Hey, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna work in the backyard today. We're gonna to mow some lawns. We're gonna take care of this and do all that. And it's not just because I'm Mexican; it's because that's how we roll, all right? Uh, and we're gonna do. We're gonna handle our business right here. We're gonna handle our business. And I'm like, "Dude, for real, work, Dad. Come on, man. I'm in school and I got good grades, man. And I'm playing sports, dude. I just want a weekend to be able to relax." And I remember. I despised those times, but it was in those times where my father would drop nuggets of wisdom. He'd begin to drop nuggets of wisdom. he began to share with me things from his heart, things from his experiences, things from his life, things from his background, things that his father or his grandfather told him. And I thought about, you know, how much more of a man would I be now if I would have took those in? How much more of a man would I be now? Now get me, I'm, I know that I'm a man. But certain areas of my life, I'm not too sure how a man should act. Certain areas of my life, I'm not too sure of how a man should operate or how a man should speak in a certain situation. You know, growing up, I didn't have a mother and father in the same household. I had a couple of stepdads, and they weren't the greatest. And so I didn't really know too much of what it means that when you argue with your wife, you got to fight it out, not like punch each other, all right? But you got to have a desire in your heart, a drive to say, man, for better or for worse till death do us part. You may be mad at me today, but that's cool because, babe, I'm going to serve you tomorrow or I'm going to take care of what I got to do to step up and be the man that I'm supposed to. I didn't have an example. I didn't have a, you know, that in my household to be able to see what does the father do when, you know, what does the husband do when his wife's mad and hurt by him? How does he hold her in her arms? Hold her in his arms, and and talk with her, and gently walk with her, and be patient, and love on her, and begin to speak tenderly to her, and declare the word of God over her, and pray for her, and do that. But you know what? That's not an excuse for me. I can't use that as an excuse. I can't because I made a, maybe a false vow, or I spoke something rashly, like the the Proverbs is telling the son: If you speak something rashly. Man, go plead your case and humble yourself and now ask for mercy. I can't be like, oh, well, you know, I didn't have a father to show me how to be a man and how to be a husband. So you know what? You just got to deal with it, babe. Sorry. No, man up. It's time to grow up. Run from the things that try to keep you ensnared to unforgiveness. Run from the things that try to keep you ensnared to bitterness. Run from the things that try to keep you ensnared to impatience and lack of understanding and lack of tenderness and lack of compassion and lack of love. you got to run from those things because that's the hunter's hand. That's the hunter's hands. And if you allow it to ensnare you, it's not just going to take part of your body. Guess what that predator wants to do? He wants to eat you. He wants to annihilate you. He wants to rip you apart piece by piece, moment by moment, tissue by tissue, muscle by muscle, and utterly destroy you. Kill, steal, and destroy, scripture says, is what Satan wants to do in our lives. And that's not just major sin. Scripture tells us in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. And the sin that so easily entangles, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. You have not suffered. You have not suffered or resisted to the point of death or to the point of shedding blood, he says. So don't grow weary. Paul, or The, the author of Hebrews is telling us, listen, not everything that hinders you is necessarily sin. But it's still a hindrance. Now that may be your attitude. That may be a relationship in your life. Not you, Jesse. I'm just pointing point here. <laughs> that, that may be a, things the, the way that you speak or the way that you look at certain situations. For example, you know, God has been dealing with me a lot just about my attitude, my perspective, the way I look at things, and their hindrances. For example, if you are going throughout your life and you see everything as if someone is trying to knock you, as if someone is trying to hold you down, or as if someone is trying to destroy your life, or they're just out to get you, that's a hindrance. That is a hindrance to walk in the life that Christ has in store for you. Is it sin to think that way? I wouldn't say you're going to hell for it. I wouldn't say you're sitting against God for it. But what are you doing? You are hindering the f- blessing, the f- prosperity in every way, the flow of God's fullness from your life. When you're walking around, well, why is that person looking at me like this? Why is my boss going to say it like that? Hey, why is she got to look at me like that? Why would he have to say it with that attitude? What did he mean by that? You got to learn how to recognize certain things that are hindrances in your life, things that are keeping you from walking in the fullness that God has for you. It's not sin. Really, you can live your life and still be blessed. You can live your life and still walk in the fullness of God. But what is it doing? It is hindering your walk. It's hindering your fruitfulness. It's hindering your peace. It's hindering your your fullness of God being manifest in your life. Again, man, marriage, it teaches you so much. (laughs) It teaches you so much. Going on and thinking, you know, part of my thoughts were, well, man, I didn't have someone to teach me. I didn't have somebody to show me. And I realize it's either I'm going to grow up or I'm going to cry and drown myself in the pool of excuses. I'm either going to man up and say, okay, I didn't have anyone to show me, but God, you lead me in paths of righteousness for your name's sake. Or I'm going to sit in a corner and cry myself to sleep. Because I didn't have a father or a mother or somebody that I would have wanted to walk with me as a mentor or a man to come alongside of me and say, this is exactly how you should do it. Or a woman to say, this is how you should treat another woman. I'm going to either step up or I'm just going to, I'm going to lay down and die. And part of me has been in this last season. Part of me has been like inside of me, just like, you know what? I'm sick of this. I'm sick of thinking like a little boy. I'm sick of thinking like a little boy. Because you know what a little boy does? If there's a hindrance in his way, what does he do? He cries. Mommy, mom, can you move that? Dad, dad, I dropped my stuff and I don't want to trip over it. Can you pick it up for me? Pretty soon, your parents, your parents might do it once or twice. But pretty soon, they're going to be like, boy, I'm going to slap you. You better pick that junk up. So many times in our lives, though, we're crying out to God, God, there's this hindrance here. Can you move it? God, there's this, it says, the Bible says you throw off everything that hinders. It doesn't say wait for the hand of God to come and remove everything in your life that's hindering from you walking on the straight and narrow. And then begin to rejoice in God because of it. It says because of the surrounding cloud of witnesses, because of those who went in the faith before us, we could look at their lives and see that it wasn't always easy. We can look at their lives and see that they had to suffer. We can look at their lives and see where their faith seemed like it was in shambles, but they still endured. Because they're around us watching us, cheering us on, you throw off everything that hinders. What does that mean? You have the strength. Not only do you have the spirit who's given you that instinct to recognize when the predator's around, but you have the strength of the spirit to be able to recognize the things and move the things in your life that are hindrances. Now, some of those hindrances you didn't put in the way. Some of those hindrances may be things that other people did to you or didn't do to you, but they're hindrances. If someone didn't teach you something, that can be a hindrance. Okay, get up now. Stop making an excuse. Learn what you got to do and begin to do it. Some of us, though, we've made our own hindrances because of our attitudes, because of our words, because of our actions, because of our behaviors, because of our patterns. You know, I've been listening a lot to Dave Ramsey and he's talking about debt. And I don't know about you, but I'm getting sick of debt. I, like, I, I, I don't know about y'all, but serious, like in my heart, in my mind, I'm like, shoot, I'm not even that old. I'm 27. But God, I hate debt with a passion right now. I hate it. I hate it. And here's what scripture says. That the borrower is slave to the lender. I don't know if y'all understand this. The borrower is is a slave to the lender. He is not free. She is not free. Now, I don't know if you realize what it means to be a slave, but it means your life is not your own. A borrower is a slave to the lender. And, you know, Dave Ramsey's when he talks about debt and he talks about getting rid of debt, he'll ask people, some people will call him and they'll say, You know what? I really want to get out of debt. And I'll say, okay, well, do you own a house? Yes, I own two. Okay, great. Um, Do you have a car? Yes, I have two cars. Okay, cool. Um, You know, but I I really want to put my kid through college. Okay, here's what you got to do. I'll tell him straight up. Sell one of your homes and sell one of your cars. And use that money to pay for your child's tuition. Well, you know, I really don't want to sell anything or give it up. Okay, great talking to you. Have a wonderful day. God bless you. talk to you later. Why? That's somebody, that's a gazelle that was in the hunter's hand and chose to just stay there. You know what? The hunter's hand is actually a little warm. It's actually a little comforting. It's kind of cozy. Until he's and bites into your leg. Dave Ramsey, he won't play with people that aren't really serious about running. His whole, his whole budget system came from this passage of scripture. He calls it the gazelle budget system. He says, I will not deal with no anyone that does not want to run from debt. There has to become, come a time in our lives where as men, we begin to say, I'm tired of thinking like a child. I'm tired of making excuses for what others have not done for me. I'm tired of making excuses of why these hindrances are continually in my way. I'm tired of making excuses of why I have not changed this thought process or changed this life pattern, even though I've been empowered by the spirit of the living God to walk in newness of life. You know, there has to become some time inside of us where we say, I'm sick and tired of dealing with the same pattern over and over and over and over. I'm ready to run from the hand of the hunter. I'm ready to flee like a bird from the hand of the fowler. And I love that about him because what Dave Ramsey says is it's common sense and it's biblical. Why would you stay ensnared to something that is utterly destroying your life? Whether it's sin, whether it's a bad attitude, whether it's unforgiveness, whether it's pride, whether it's bitterness, why would you choose to stay ensnared to something that is absolutely destroying you? And I love when he talks about debt because he's like, we've developed a whole culture and system around being in bondage. We've developed a whole lifestyle around being in bondage. And we've even believed myths that say, you know what, debt is a good thing. You could leverage your debt to make money in different areas. The borrower is slave to the lender. You show me one place in the Bible where it says debt is a good thing. You show me one place in the Bible where it says it's a freeing thing to borrow. I mean, I don't know about you, but in my scripture, it says you're going to be the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. He says you're going to lend freely. Freely, you've received, so freely give. But we have to, again, come to the place where it says, you know what? I'm running. I'm running. I refuse to stay where I am. I refuse to continue to think this way. I mean, after you've gone through a number of destructive patterns in your life, at one point you've got to wake up and say, for real, do I want to live this way? Especially now that I'm a Christian. It's not a matter that God's not walking with you. It's not a matter that you don't have the power to change through the Holy Spirit. And this is not a self-will, self-power message. This is you have been empowered by the Spirit of the living God. This is you have the word of life, and you have the word of truth. You just have to learn how to run. You just have to say when you're on that five-mile trek, you know what, body, I don't care if you get in a cramp right now. You're going to go five miles. There's been times, you know, when I was in wrestling practice, and and my lungs are burning the mess out of me. My feet are killing me. My calves are starting to pound. And you know what I say? I don't care. I tell body, I don't care. You're not getting punked on the mat. You're just not. You know, we were at a tournament a couple weeks ago and I've watched a couple kids and I watched one kid and he was getting beat, man. This this boy was just getting he was just getting beat. Like he was just like whooped. Like this guy had more skill than him, more talent. But he refused to get pinned. Like this boy refused to get pinned. And when you're watching him, it's like one of the most exciting things. I mean, it's one of the most sad, but also exciting things. Because you see him get slammed on his back, boom, he goes down. And then you see him just struggling everything inside of him veins starting to pop out and boom he bridges and pushes the person off of his back and then the dude jumps right back on him like jumps on him sweeps around puts him back on his back and the boy's struggling struggling but he just refuses to give up he's like i will not die i may not be as good as you but you are not pinning me you may win by points but you are not pinning me boy and when i see that something inside it just gets so fired up Because I begin to think about spiritually the things that God has done, the blessings that he's given, the power that he's given, the spirit that he's given. And then I think about the times that I want to quit and the times that I want to give up. But then I think about this boy who, okay, maybe he's outsmarted right now. Maybe he's outskilled right now. Maybe he's outpracticed right now. But there's something inside of that young man that refuses to give in. And because of that, Now, when you begin to add maturity and you give him a couple years and you give him a good instructor, that desire, that drive, that tenacity, that determination not only turns into heart and courage, but now it begins to turn into a champion. And some of us need to begin to rise up and say, you know what? I'm tired of being ensnared. I'm tired of going in the same patterns, whether it's sin, whether it's attitude, whether it's anger, whether it's a relationship, whether it's finances, whether it's frustration, whether it's pride, and say, no, I am choosing to run. I'm choosing to run from the hand of the hunter. But it's not just running for running's sake. It's just fix your eyes on Jesus. It's running into the hands of a father who's willing and ready to lead and direct you on the path that he's chosen for you. It's the hands and the arms of the father that's willing and ready to reveal to you the freedom that he wants you to begin to walk in. It's running into the hands of the father who's ready to show you the next step to take and the next course of action. You know, God's been leading me to learn how to delight in him. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. It's running to the place of delight, the place of the heart of the father. The place of intimacy, the place of prayer, the place of worship, the place of meditating upon the scripture of the word of God, the place of filling your heart with what it is that God's word says. Now, if you continue that proverb in chapter six, he tells him to hide the word of God inside of him, to bind it around his neck. And he says this when you awake or when you walk, it will guide you. And when you sleep, it's going to watch over you. And he says, when you awake, it will speak to you. It's not just running for running's sake, but it's running with eyes fixed on Jesus, with ears attuned to the spirit, with a heart meditated upon the word of God, focused in the direction that God's wanting to lead you. It's time to stop making excuses of why you are where you are. PB said a couple weeks ago, he said this. He was praying in Korea, God, I want to lose weight. I want to lose weight. I don't want to be this way. And what did God say to him? You're exactly the way that you want to be. And I'm here to share with some of you tonight that you are exactly where you want to be. But it's time to get up and it's time to run. And as you begin to run, you have to refuse to make excuses. It's time to grow up. It's time to become a man. It's time to stop saying, well, I wasn't taught. I wasn't showed. It wasn't demonstrated. It wasn't exemplified. I had nobody model it for me. That's fine. Either did Jesus except for the spirit and the father from being in the place of intimacy with him. You want to see someone model it? Get in the place of intimacy with the father and let Christ model it to you from the word of God. How do you love your wife? See how Jesus loved the church. How do you forgive people? read scripture how jesus said father forgive them because they don't know what they're doing how do you walk in wisdom with your finances look at the plan that god gave in his word it's time that we grow up as men and we choose to run not just away from something but we run into the arms of the father amen let's pray heavenly father tonight we ask you that at this moment god something would awaken inside of us, God, and we would begin to just, uh, just become attuned. Lord, I, I can just imagine the gazelle at that minute that he sees that predator, that every single sense inside of him is heightened. Every sense inside of him, his adrenaline's pumping. His heart, Lord God, is racing. Everything inside of him, every move counts. Every breath means something. Every step is absolutely crucial, God. And Father, I pray that we would begin to have a sense of urgency that's not motivated or got founded in fear. We would have that same sense of heightened, um, God, awareness to what it is that the enemy's trying to do, but also what it is that you're trying to do, God. That it would be founded in love so there's peace, security, confidence, and courage. But there's a recognition that if I don't change, if I don't choose to run here, This can take me down. Ten years from now, this can take me down if I don't deal with it. Five years from now, this way of thinking could absolutely destroy me, my family, my relationships, my friends, if I don't choose to surrender it right now and change it. Father, I pray that we will begin to awaken to what it is that you are doing and saying, that we as men would not make excuses, God, But we begin to run from the hand of the predator and we would fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. And that you would show us how, God, and where we need to remove the things in our lives that have become hindrances. Maybe not even sin, but things that are hindering us from walking in everything that you have in store for us. Maybe it's just lack of courage, maybe it's lack of confidence, maybe it's insecurity. Maybe it's this frustration or just even discouragement. We're easily discouraged. And it's not sin, but it's hindering us. Teach us how to give those to you and come alongside one another to see those things removed from our lives, God. Father, we love you. We worship you tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Here's what we're going to do. You know, we got it's only 838 right now. And I want us just to, to go in pairs right now. And I want you to share with your neighbor What's that one area right now of your life that you believe God's saying it's time to run? What's that one hindrance that you can remove? And don't get into your whole life story right now, all right? We ain't got time for that. Ain't nobody got time for that. Just kidding. We love you and got time for it. But just right now it, it's a quick, it's a quick reflection, but it's an intentional choosing not to just hear the word but get ready to put it into practice in your life. What's that area that you need to run from? What's that hindrance that you need to begin to remove? Spirit of God has already come alongside of you to do it. It's not about praying and asking for the power to be able to do it. You got it. It's about you changing it now and you changing your behavior and you changing your way of thinking and you changing your life pattern. Amen. So go ahead and take a moment with your neighbor right now and do that. Pray for one another and then we're out.